coming up. There's something about being in the right relationship with God. Let me give you an example about God's ears being open to their cry. You could be at a in a mall at a a uh, at Great America Disneyland anywhere. There's all kind of commotion going on. But if your child within the crowd cry, <laughs> you will with all the other noises going on. You will hear your child's cry. In between all the other sounds, all the bells and whistles, you'll hear your child's cry. That's, that's what this text is saying. That God hears the righteous cry. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One, the podcast ministry of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. It's a new year. And while you might be working on keeping those resolutions so you can have the good life you've been longing for, Pastor Robert wants us to examine our thoughts and beliefs on what we call good. Join us for this challenging message series, Living the Good Life. Here's the continuation of the message, Not Without God. That's what David is saying. Uh, That I, I called on him and he delivered me out and saved me from my troubles. This, this, this is after you make up your mind. This is after you make up your mind <laughs> that I'm going to serve the Lord and seek the Lord. Not while you're still trying to figure it out. Because it ain't got deep enough into your emotions yet. So the fifth requirement is it requires relationship with God in your life. It requires relationship with God in your life. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The the righteous, that's who cries. Well, what, what What do you mean by righteous? All righteousness is... Is, is, is living up to the standard of God or being in right standing with God. That's what righteousness is. And that means that you're in right relationship with God. And so when you're in right relationship with God, you cry. Yeah, You, you can understand this because... We try not to cry in front of folk. And I'm talking now about literally crying, tears. We try not to cry in front of folk we're not in relationship with. But with folk we have relationship with, we feel safe to cry. So relationship causes you to express yourself emotionally in a deeper sense than it does when you don't have it. Look what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him to become sin for us. This tells us, and when David said that God delivered me from my troubles after I cried, this tells us that our biggest trouble was our sin. And is our sin. That's, that's our biggest trouble. 
That's our biggest weight. That's our biggest burden. Our sin is our biggest burden. And God said, the scripture says that Jesus came and became sin for us, our biggest trouble, and that we can become the righteousness of God so that we can be in right standing or right relationship with God. So David cried. Psalm 34, 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. There's something about being in a right relationship with God. Let me give you an example about God's ears being open to their cry. You could be at a, in a mall at, a, a, uh, at Great America, Disneyland, anywhere there's all kind of commotion going on. But if your child within the crowd cry, <laughs> you will, with all the other noises going on, you will hear your child's cry. In between all the other sounds, all the bells and whistles, you'll hear your child's cry. That's, that's what this text is saying, that God hears the righteous cry. I had this, this uh, lady, one of my coworkers tell me some many years ago, we were talking about God. It was a few of us talking, and, and we were talking about some of our life struggles. And, um, and uh, she said, I don't think God has time to deal with all of our stuff. She was, it was her honest opinion. That's what she said. I don't, it's all the people on the world, in the planet, on the world, she said, in the world, she says, I don't think God has time. Do y'all, y'all, y'all see the problem with that? And so I, I pulled her to the side and I talked to her. I said, you know, God created time. <laughs> and just for, for the sake of imagination, just say he did run out of time. He can just make some more. I <laughs> saw he just makes some more time. <laughs> so I was trying to get understand that God never runs out of time. He has time for us. And so God will hear our cry. He'll hear our cry because we're in relationship with him. We are his child, his children. Number six requirement. Living a good life, it requires reverence of God in your life. Reverence of God in your life. Psalm 34, 7 and 9 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Verse 9, oh, fear the Lord, you saints, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. There's no want. And when we talk about fear here, we're not talking about fright. We're talking about reverence, respect, honor, not fright, not shaking in your boots, but just respect. And the text tells us that there is no want. So hopefully you're seeing how goodness, the good life is laced in what 
uh, David is saying here about wanting, the fact that God is watching, the fact that angels are encamped around you, these are elements of good life, of good living. Not the things the world says. The world says good living is you sitting on the beach, kicked with your feet kicked up with a cocktail you know, sitting there next to you. That, that's the good life. The, 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 the God defines it differently. It defines it differently. And so <laughs> David is giving us an explanation here. The seventh requirement of the good life is it requires a teachable attitude in your life. It requires a teachable attitude in your life. Psalm 34:11 says, "Come, you children, listen to me. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Not only do you need to or we need to have a teachable attitude, there also needs to be a teacher because it's something you got to learn. You, 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 people can help you fear God more by how they educate you and teach you and the example they live before you. So I got a question for you. Who's learning to fear God from you? Who's learning to fear God from you? Who can look at you and they go, ooh, I need to fear God. Who's looking at your life? Who's watching you pray and saying, oh, I do need to pray, don't I? <laughs> Who's watching you sing songs of praise saying, oh, I ain't thought about God all day. I guess I should think about God today. Who's hearing you say God is good? And they say, oh, yeah, God is good, isn't he? Because of your living. The eighth requirement. Living a good life, it requires proper perspective of God in your life. It requires proper perspective of God in your life. Psalm 34, 8 says again, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The, the implication here is, is that you need something to help you understand how good God is. We, you have to try God out. You have to test God to really see how good he is. This is not a foreign concept to us. Because when we go to a, a restaurant we've never been before, we've never been to before, we want to know whether or not this is going to be worth my while or whether or not I want to spend my money in this restaurant. So we put it to the test. The first test is the I test. It's the C test. It's the C. It's the, it's the C test. Right? Right? First thing you want to see is that there's other people in the restaurant. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first thing you want to see. 
right? It's like, well, there's a whole lot of other folk in here, so perhaps it is good, right? And so you're seeing, you put it to the C test, put it to the C test. Um, maybe that's why some people haven't tested God, y'all. Because when they look at <laughs> when they do the C test, maybe they don't see enough. So they're not encouraged, encouraged to, to taste and see. Maybe when they do the C test, the, the other part of the C test, the, ta- the, the other C test you do with their restaurant is you see a lot of people, so you say, okay, let's go here. Then you go in, as you go in, you see people, and the waitresses and the servers are coming out with their plates. What are you doing? You're looking at their food, aren't you? Right? you you're looking at the plate, right? and, and you, you're analyzing the, the plate. And you're going, hmm, that looks good or it, that doesn't look good. You're analyzing what you see the people in the restaurant are about to eat. Maybe folks not trying God or testing God to see if he's good because what they see the folks in the church Eating and doing doesn't look appealing. So they say, oh, I don't want to do that or see that or be there. We really need to look at ourselves and see if we are encouraging people to taste and see. If we're encouraging people to have a palate or taste buds for God. Because David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that leads us to the next requirement, which is it requires putting your trust in God in your life. Requires putting your trust in God. Psalm 34, 8 goes on and says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The New King James says, blessed is the man who trusts in him. So there's a a, the way that you taste and see is to put trust in him. That's how you taste and see. The same way you taste and see at the restaurant. Because at some point after you did the C test, right, you got to, it gets you to a place of trust. And I, I think it'd be okay to eat here. There's a lot of people and the, the meals look good. And so you place your order. You place your order. You sit down, you place your order, or you do takeout. Whatever you're going to do, you place your order because it passed the, t- the C test. And then after you 
you get the food, you taste it, and you either declare it's good or it's not. But you had to put your trust in order to even get to the taste part. The same is true for God. This is what he's saying. You got to trust God in order to taste and see it. You got to make your refuge in God. So putting your trust in God, making your refuge in God, what that means is, is that you got to feel safe with God. It's got to be a place of safety. Then you will taste and see. I'm not going to order that meal at that restaurant if I think I'm going to get E. coli. Right? Y'all saw what happened not long ago with, with Chipotle. Right? When they had a problem. Right? When you went to the door, you didn't see nobody. Well, they was booming so hard. There was still some brave souls. <laughs> there was still some brave souls walking in there. And, uh, but not, not like it was. The line used to be out the door. So you put your trust in it. And so we are, the, the world is looking at us to see if trusting God is something that they should do. The tenth requirement for living a good life. It requires controlling what you say and do in your life. It requires controlling what you say and do in your life. Psalm 34, 12 says, 12 through 14, whoever of you loves life, get this now, Whoever of you loves life, loves life and desires to see many good days. Y'all see that this is about the good life. <laughs> All right. This is about the good life. Desires to see many good days. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So David is saying, if you want to live the good life, or it's a requirement that you control what you say and what you do. It's a requirement. Y'all, I think you've been living long enough to see somebody say something where their mouth got them in trouble. They, they just said the wrong thing. They said something at the wrong time to the wrong person, and it just it went all bad. It went all bad. <laughs> and, and, and if you ask them at that moment, is, is this good? They're going to say, no, nah, this, is, this is not good. Right? You've seen some people do some things that took them to a place. Well, this is, this is not good. This is not good. It's not good. So David says that you control what you say or do. You, you, keep, from, you keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. And you turn from evil and you do good. You seek peace and pursue it if you want to live and have good days and love life, David says. And so the, I'm going to walk through the first 10 before I give you the last one. It requires the involvement of God in your life to live the good life. 
the praise to God in your life, the seeking, seeking God in your life, calling out to God in your life, reverencing God in your life, a teachable attitude in your life, a proper perspective of God in your life, putting your trust in God in your life, and controlling what you say and do in your life. And lastly, it requires humility before God in your life. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. This is speaking of remorse for wrongdoing. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about that you have a sincere desire to be forgiven. That it, your heart broke about it. You, you want God to give you mercy because you realize that you were wrong, that you're guilty. That's what it's talking about. And it says, God is near folk who are in this state. God is near. Having a contrite spirit, God is near. And then 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. So when you are feeling remorse for your wrongdoings and you want forgiveness from God, the, the, this isn't a reflection of your humility. And the Bible tells us that God shows favor to humble folk. And he resists the proud. So if God is required for in, to, as an, is, his involvement in your life is required for you to live the good life, you can't be and do anything that causes him to resist you. You just nullify the only one who's good by your proud attitude. And so the Bible tells us you have to be humble and show humility because God will show you favor. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. You know God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that you could live with him forever. If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I sinned against you. I've made some mistakes in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and my mistakes and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me to reflect the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to personally welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to connect with the church near you so that you can learn more about Jesus, grow closer to God, and to other believers.
God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. See, that's some of us right now. We've been looking for the good life, and we've been reaching for it, and we got it, but it's like in between our fingers. We don't have a solid grip on it because we ain't put it in our palm yet. We ain't got, we ain't learned how to grab it and put it in our palm and hold it tight, hold it tight. So it's in our fingers, you know, like telling the truth is like between our fingers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's not in our palm of our hand where we got a strong hold on it. So sometimes because it's between our fingers, it falls out and we lie. We just tell a lie, you know, it, 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 being honest is not in the palm of our hand. It's like it's in between our fingers. Thank you for listening.